<laughs> what quenches your thirst? Water. Oh, okay, everyone said water. Coca-Cola, maybe. Some would say, on a hot day, an ice-cold beer. Um, <laughs> what quenches your thirst? And most of us say water. It's a bit of a sensitive subject, isn't it? With Hammond's Kroll not being able to drink their tap water, rumors of cholera also in the Val. <clears throat> we went to India in 1998, and quite a way back, and you could not drink the water from the tap. And you still can't, not a drop. You're at your own peril with all sorts of pathogens living in the water. So it's nothing new. But our world, there are statements that our world is going to be fighting for water. And there already have been some fierce fighting about a dam. You're closing it off. You're not allowing the water to come through to us, etc., etc. It's a very real problem. Deserts are expanding. All the deserts in the world, they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But how amazing is it that God has created certain plants and animals that thrive in the desert? I don't know what you think of, but the one that I thought of was the camel. Look at this. Ladies, just look at those eyelashes. Those eyelashes are to die for. And those soft, velvety lips. <laughs> But what's amazing, I mean, we know he's got the hump. I only, we watched a documentary the other day. We know he's got the hump and we, he stores water in that. But did you know about his nose? He has the most amazing nose. You see those little red bits? You can't really see it as clear. It's the clearest picture I could find. It's almost like little zigzags, you know, little things. So the air goes in through there, cools it, comes down goes in, comes out the lungs, and when it comes out, any moisture in the lungs condenses before it goes out, and he gets that water. So he doesn't lose a speck of water when he's breathing. How amazing is that? And environmentalists in the desert are using that technique, and they've created like these cardboard walls, so to mimic the nose, and they are drip-feeding greenhouses with water through, the, through the, this cardboard. How amazing. How amazing how we adapting. But obviously today, my focus is not our physical thirst. <laughs> it's our emotional thirst, our spiritual thirst. And I have to ask again, what quenches your thirst? There's a fundamental truth that no man's heart or let me say it this way, every man's heart will be thirsty until they find the reality of Jesus. Every man's heart, because we're created in God's image. Augustine says, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee. And we are looking more and more, we're trying to deny God and talking world, and we are looking to everything Everything else but Jesus. Everything. And our hearts remain thirsty. So we're in John, as you know, and we're in number 14. And I'm in John chapter 4. How cool is God? I tell you, his timing. Who knows what today is in the church calendar? It's Pentecost. Feast of, feast of weeks for the Jews. They celebrated Thursday night, Friday. But it's Pentecost. What happened at Pentecost? The Jews were all in Jerusalem, 
And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he sent his Holy Spirit and he poured out. And Candace was speaking about the building shaking. And there was fire. And they went out and they preached God's word with boldness. And today, we're speaking about the woman at the well. And Jesus spoke to her about springs of water that well up to eternal life. How amazing is God in his timing? So, John chapter 4, I'm going to read from the ESV, and I'm reading the first three verses. I'm reading little bits. Bear with me. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, John tells us in brackets, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. I hope when you read the word, you say, but wait a minute, why, 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 why? Why did Jesus not baptize? Why did he leave it to his disciples? And I think it's because he had a whole lot more important stuff to focus on. He's not saying baptism was not important, but he was doing what he was gifted to. He was preaching, teaching, healing. Guys, are we doing what God has called us to do and not doing the stuff that we shouldn't be doing? He left Judea and departed for Galilee. Come on, dude, you're going to be famous. The Pharisees are getting to hear of you. Wow, you're baptizing more people. You know, your numbers are up. More likes, more likes. Why does he leave? Because the Pharisees did not look favorably on John. Eventually they got him, he, was, he had his head chopped off. This is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He knows he's going to die, but it's not time. So he departs. Take, get away from the, from the, the hubbub. And he leaves and goes to Galilee. Then it says in verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, if you know your history, wait a minute, that's not true geographically. There was a huge fight, started in 720 BC, between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. And the Jewish people refused to go through the land of Samaria. And the Sumerians loved it. They went through because you know, they didn't like them and they could ridicule them and kill them and fight with them, etc. So the, what the Jews would do, they'd get to this point on the road. They'd cross the Jordan, travel on the east bank of the Jordan all the way up until they'd passed Samaria, which is in the middle, and then cross back into Galilee, a six-day journey to avoid going through Samaria, which was only three days. So geographically, Jesus did not have to go through Samaria. Why are you going through Samaria? You could have gone the normal way that everywhere, everyone goes. And if you want the history, you can come and ask me, but it's an amazing, just if I could, because of what she says, what the woman at the well says. 720 BC, Assyrians came in and conquered Samaria. People were taken away and they brought foreigners and the Jews that were left intermarried. So in terms of Jewish eyes, they were no longer worthy Jews. So when Nehemiah came back and started rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem, they didn't let the Sumerians take part. They didn't let them. So they went and built their own temple at Mount Gerizim. And in the, in the Maccabean Wars, the Jews destroyed that temple. So you can imagine, there's animosity. Why do I mention all that? Because sometimes in our country, and in, we look at our racial and say, but it's so old, it's so history, therefore I have a right to stand in my stance, or whatever it is. It's not true. Why? Because well, look what Jesus does with this huge, huge feud that's going on. So he, why did he have to pass through Samaria? 
because he had an important appointment. And I was saying, I've got to, I know I spoke to some of the youth today, and I just felt, really felt, I think God's got an appointment with all of us today. Every single one of you who is here today, God's got an appointment. But especially for the youth today, I believe God wants to stir something in your heart. So be expectant. Be expectant, you youngsters. Jesus has had various interactions. We saw with the temple authorities in John where he, there was a real, because he overturned the, the tables. Nicodemus, remember Nicodemus and how Nicodemus was like, okay, you're a great teacher and God told, Jesus told him you've got to be born again. So what's he going to say to this lady? So now we can read verse 4, going down to, verse 5, sorry, going down to verse 14. So he came to a, a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat, that Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, John throughout his gospel gives us little glimpses of his divinity and of his humanity. He was tired. He wasn't the superhuman who could just walk for days and not feel anything. He was tired and he had to sit down. So he was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. So it's midday, heat of day, desert. Picture desert. Nothing. Dry, dry, dry. Hot. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Whoa, there's a lot in that. Samaritan. Mm -mm. Woman. Lesser being. Coming to the well by herself. In the heat of the day, is she nuts? Why doesn't she do what all the other women do? Come early in the morning or late in the afternoon with all the other women. Something's not right. And we will learn what's not right. She's a reject. She's a reject. Jesus said to her, all that prejudice, youth canceling her, because she doesn't do this, and she doesn't do that, and she doesn't do this, and she fails on that. She's canceled, isn't she? Give me a drink, Jesus says to her. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? John reminds us, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, underline that word gift, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you've nothing to draw water with. You've got no bucket. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Wow. 
And I'm pausing at that point in this conversation. There's lots more to come. Keep coming to church on a Sunday. You won't miss the next exciting installment. Did you? And the conversation follows the way that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus is asking, you know, he's, she's asking a very practical question. I, you know, how are you going to give me this water? He answers in a way that's like living water. You know, what, what are you talking about, dude? And she continues to misunderstand him throughout this conversation. And he has to draw her to get to the truth and to understand it for herself. Very similar um, direction that Jesus follows. Three questions today, or three points today. Number one, who is Jesus speaking to? And I've already said, I've highlighted a Samaritan. And we know that for the Samaritans and the Jews, this was a no-go zone. You don't speak to them. Little children do it, don't they? She's not my friend anymore. Why isn't she your friend anymore? She hit me. Not my friend. <laughs> she was a woman. The society then was patriarchal worse than today. Women were possessions, beings, unworthy of notice. Men would walk in, they wouldn't even see the woman because they're not worthy of it. Jesus, throughout his ministry, does very counter-cultural reactions, actions, talkings, conversations with women over and over again. He butts the system. She was immoral. Samaritan, woman, immoral, which made her unclean. Just by the way, just with the woman, just to even highlight it further, Jesus was known as a rabbi. Do you know that in that day, a rabbi could not speak in public to any woman, not even his wife or his daughter or his sister. You weren't allowed to, as a rabbi, speak to a woman in public. How bizarre is that? But that was the law. And here's Jesus speaking to this woman. He's really like, do you know what you're doing, Jesus? He really does know what he's doing. He's breaking through those barriers. She's the reason he's there. He is totally not concerned with this cancel culture. And you know what? We all cancel people. All of us. Obviously, the obvious one here in this country, I think, is race. But there are so many different levels to this. So many. And, and you know, we take it two ways. Either I look down on someone or with a indifference, or whatever it is, or I feel looked down on, and so I react defensively, or I react, I'm entitled. I mean, I, or I'm entitled to this because, you know, look at me, I'm poor me. So it goes both ways. What am I talking about? What do you, when you see someone, do you subconsciously even, well, I'm cleverer than them, I know more. Kids do it at school. Ah, oh, I'm fuck. I got that right. No, 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 no. Well, praise God. Thank God for your brain. But they're not a lesser being because they can't get it as fast as you. Confession time. I, I would before COVID. I used to go to gym regularly, and I found my. 
myself, I became conscious of my thoughts. You know, I'd watch people. Oh, look at that doll. Who does she think she is? Matching shoes and socks and leotard and the headband and makeup. And oh, she's so... And she's a gym. I was judging in my head. I was putting myself in a superior position. It was wrong. I had to, I had to consciously say, and I used to start thinking it, and I'd start praying for that woman. Lord, you know that lady. You know what's inside of her. You know what she needs today. You know what she's thirsty for. Guys, what are we subconsciously thinking? Every person is made in the image of Christ, in the image of God. Let's put it in the image of God. Every person is worthy to be seen. And you are worthy to be seen. Don't look down on yourself. God sees you as worthy. He's breaking these barriers and declaring you are righteous. You are my favored child. Galatians, Paul says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. All one. All worthy of love. All worthy of attention. Who was there? What were the circumstances? He meets this woman at a well. It was timeless because she was there alone. But think about the well. The well was a common place to go in those days. You had to go there every day to draw water. If you wanted water, you went to the well and you drew water. There was no other way to get water if you needed it. And what's the woman doing? She's drawing water. You know, does it every day, go and draw water. Everybody drinks it, and you go back and do it again. <laughs> Are you waiting for the next outreach? Are you waiting for church? Because in church, people get saved. Or in your ordinary place, wherever your ordinary place is, in your home, in your street, in your actual work, at the shop, at the garage, there is the time to talk to someone about Jesus. Everywhere, anytime. This, this talk that we went to on our preach that we went to on Thursday that Glendon was referring to, he gave a stat. I haven't checked it yet, so don't quote me, but he said he read up that 180,000 people die every day in our world. 180,000 people. I wonder how many of them on a road to hell, in hell. How many was it per second? Two per second. As I'm preaching, how many have chosen, have chosen to go to hell because they have not chosen Jesus? And guys, how, do they, how will they know if we don't tell them? You're in your place where you live, your shop, all that stuff. God has put you there for a purpose. To speak to people. Just be Jesus to them. Love on them. You don't have to Bible punch them. But love on them. See them. Talk to them. Let's not be slack. Maybe we should all, and I used to this, and again, I've, not, I've done it for a while. Every time I went out of my door, I'd say, okay, God, who do you want me to talk to today? Challenged myself. How about, guys, we do it, all of us, speak to one a week. Is that a big stretch? 
Hope not. You make your own goal. To love on them. And you don't have to just see them. Ask Jesus, ask Holy Spirit, what does that person need? See them reaching up for the shelf. Help them, smile. You know, whatever it is. Let's be love out there. And I just felt with that whole mundaneness. Don't you sometimes, you know, you get up in the morning, you wash the dishes, you get you cook the food and everyone eats it. You clean the house and everyone makes it dirty again. And it just goes on and on. And it's so mundane. So boring. My life is so boring. Maybe it's at work, same stuff, same desk, same computer, same people, da da da, same men, da 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 da, boring, 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 boring. God is there and God can break in and God takes the mundane and makes it exciting. He's come to give us abundant life, Glendon said. There's abundant life in the mundaneness. May we look for it, find it. Thirdly, Jesus' salvation is not a well. It's a spring. Jesus' salvation is not a well. It's a spring. So when Jacob found this, he would have dug, water would have seeped up, and they would have dug down. The water seeps into the well. That's what, where, how the water came. Jesus, and it's in the Greek, is speaking about a spring. Have you been into the mountains? One of the most amazing, oh, you're walking in the berg, and every so often you find the source of a spring. And it's literally popping out the rocks. And it is crystal clear. And it's delicious. It hasn't been muddied or affected by anything. It's pure, pure water coming. That's what Jesus is speaking about to this woman, this pure, pure water. What does it mean for us if it's a spring and not a well, salvation? Well, number one, you don't need a bucket. You don't need all the paraphernalia. For Jesus' spring, for the spring of life, one thing only, accept him. Believe in him as Lord. Believe in his crucifixion. Believe in his death and resurrection. You don't need to come to church. You don't need to read your Bible. You don't need to be pure. You don't need any bucket. Do all those things good for us? Absolutely. But for salvation, don't they? Well, I've got to do this and jump through all these hoops. There are no hoops. You do not need a bucket. Sip it. Take it. It's internal. Jesus said to in that in that in that fourteenth verse, it will spring up from within you. We're all given the Holy with the, a spirit when we when we're born. But if I can liken it to in the mountains. So I've got that spring inside of me, every single one. But there's a huge rock on it. So it's not a lie, it's not bubbling, it's not coming out. It's that rock solidifies it. And nothing I can do will move that rock. When you're born again, the rock is removed. And the spirit bubbles up. And comes to life. We've all got it. There's a thirst because that spring inside says, oh, get rid of this rock. And we try everything to get rid of the rock. But only Jesus can remove that rock. Only Jesus. 
I don't know if there's anyone here, but has you, has Holy Spirit, has your rock been removed so that your spring is alive? Thirdly, it's refreshing eternal water. I've already said as you taste that water, it's fresh, it's clean, it's pure. That only comes from the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit which is available to us as soon as that rock has been removed. The pure presence of Jesus, it's available. It's better than anything. It will quench your deepest thirst. And and fourthly, we are constantly satisfied. Constantly. But guys, we have to get it. And as I was praying this morning, I just pictured, so the, the, you've got the spring, the rock's been removed, but you're covering it over with bushes and dirt. It's there, but it's stifled. What is that? It's our sin and everything else that we pop on top of it. So it's there, but gosh, if I walk in the mountains, I can't find it. Because I can't see it because of all the under, over, undergrowth has grown over it, the weeds, etc., etc. We've got to access Jesus. Jesus, forgive me when I think that thought. Forgive me. Repentance. See the sin. And it happens every day, all day. See it. Lord Jesus, I've done it again. I'm sorry. Turn around. And walk the other way and experience intimate presence of Holy Spirit. Day in, day out. And then finally, just because of today, Pentecost, the disciples were born again. Jesus had breathed his spirit into them when, after he'd risen again. In, you read that, we'll get to that eventually in John. But when Pentecost came, there was like, if I could picture it, if I had the guts and I don't and it's far too cold, I wanted to have a bucket of water here, so you have to picture with me. And I wanted to pick it up and pour it over my head. But I just thought, no, God, I just can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> what am I trying to do? I want you to think that that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It comes from the outside, Inside, you understand, you've got that. If you're born again, you've got the Holy Spirit. He's living in you. But sometimes we need a douche. And it rushes away all that filth, doesn't it? Many years ago, I was doing my MBA. I was in my early 30s. I was once in my early 30s. And hectic life. Small kids, wife, working. Wife, husband, thank you. <laughs> I was a wife, <laughs> um, working, doing MBA part-time. My husband used to make me go to church on Sundays. I didn't want to go because I need to, just, you know, come on, go get a break sometimes. Anyway, that was my life. Where was, where was my spring? It was there, but boy, was it well covered. <laughs> it was not important. I don't have time for that. I'm too busy doing everything else. And there was a, guy, a meeting, we had a meeting at a certain church, and I went, I don't know why, God knows why, and I went and I sat there, you know, 
come on, some of us got to go and study. Um, and he spoke about baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he spoke about exactly where I was. And he said, who needs a fresh touch? I was at the front like a, like a startled rabbit. <laughs> and I just, he just, he literally just said, receive. That's all he said. And I shook from the top of my head to the tip of my toes, like an electric current was going through me. And my spring had been opened again. And I was able to do all of that. Nothing went away. But I put God first. I repented of my arrogance, my supposition that I could do it on my own. We need that. And I've been filled again and again many times. We all need to respond today. The band can come up and just play quietly. I wrote down four responses. It's actually five, I think. Number one, are you carrying a prejudice or feeling prejudiced? Let's see people as Jesus sees them and see yourself as Jesus sees you. If you need to respond to that, please do. Everyone is worthy of love. Everyone. And we are capable of sharing that love to, with everyone, wherever God calls us. If you do not have that rock removed, then you are not born again. With Nicodemus, he, spoke, he said you must be born again. With, with the a woman at the well, he said, springs of water will spring up from within you to eternal life. That's my gift that I give. My gift. Jesus gives. Only Jesus gives. And there's life inside of you, believer. Is there sin you need to repent of? Do you need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit? I invite you to respond. I invite you to respond. You can either, you'll do it where you're sitting, or like me that day, you'll come forward for a fresh touch. Jesus is calling us. Jesus has an appointment with us today. Let's respond. <laughs>